Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're beginning the 14th chapter, Perak Yudalad of Misech the Shabbos, Mishnah Aleph, and Mishnah Beis. And we're continuing our malach, the discussion of the Malachas of trapping. And now we're going to discuss the various animals that are not big animals, but rather they are shrutzim, slithering animals. Then we're going to discuss how the, there are eight of these shrutzim that convey tumah when they're dead. And they happen to have a thicker skin. So if you were to bruise them, as in you cause a bruise beneath the skin, the blood is eventually going to ha- come out of the skin. It's not going to get reabsorbed. Thus, you're going to be in violation of the malacha of causing an animal to bleed, even if it doesn't break the skin itself, but the blood just forms beneath the skin. Now, just two uh, prefaces to this Mishnah, two introductory remarks. What are these eight shrutzim that convey tumah? The, so it's a bit of a machlokus how to do how to to uh, figure out what they are. But the most common translation are they're a cholet, a weasel, an achbar, a mouse, a tzav is a toad, an anaka is a hedgehog or a porcupine. A koach is a, some sort of lizard. A lita is another type of lizard. A chomet is a snail, and a tinch shemes is a mole. Again, this is the common the way article translates it. But there is a bit of a machlokus debate how exactly to define it. So again, the problem with these shrutsim are that they have a thicker skin, and if you cause them to bruise, you're then going to be in violation of causing an animal to bleed. Now, what's the, what's the problem with making something bleed? So here, too, there's a bit of a debate in the Rishonim what exactly the malacha is going to be. There are those who say it's, it's a total of dosh, of threshing. It's called mefarik, and that is anytime you extract something from its, from its husk. Um, you extract something from where it's supposed to be. So in this scenario, in the, when you bruise an animal, you're extracting blood from the body. So that's, that's similar and analogous to dosh, threshing. Others say, no, it's actually tsoveya. You're causing the skin to change color, dying. And the third opinion is it's a tolda of shechita, of slaughtering, because even if the animal doesn't die, you're causing the blood to come out, and the loss of blood is considered as if you've taken some of its life away. Be it as it may, however you want to look at it, the point is that when it comes to these eight species of shrutzim that convey tumah, we assume that if you were to hatzad on Shabbos, one who shmona shrutzim or umber Torah hatzad, if you trap them on Shabbos, you're liable. Vachovah if you bruise them, even this again, the scenario where the blood does not break through the skin, you're also liable because we're assuming that eventually the blood's going to come out. Ushar shrutzim uramashim, but the rest of other crawling and vermin and creepy crawly creatures. If you bruise them, you're exempt. And the reason for that is, think of like a worm, they have much uh, more uh, thinner skin or, or thinner skin, and therefore if you cause them to uh, to get bruised, we assume, and, the, and the skin doesn't break, we assume what's going to happen is the blood's going to get reabsorbed back into the body. And therefore, when it comes to these creatures, if you were to trap them as well, you're only going to be liable if you actually need the, tra- the, the creature. It's not normal. People don't normally go and start trapping worms to have a worm exhibit in their house, in their zoo, or to eat. So unless you have a reason for why you are trapping it, such as you, uh, I don't know, you want to catch a fish, you're going to be exempt. There's no specific need. You just decide you want to go ahead and trap it. So then you're going to, put, you're going to be exempt. So, if you have anim- wild animals and birds that are in your rishus, as in they're in a small enclosed area, if you trap them, you're exempt because 
because since they're in a small controlled area where they're easily accessible, we consider them to be trapped, even though they can roam freely, but because you can easily grab them because they're enclosed, and so then it's considered trapped, and one is not liable if they were to take them. In fact, the Mishnah points out if you have an animal that's trained to return to you, even if you let it out and roam free, like a cat or perhaps a dog, so then too, you're allowed to close the door, and it's not considered trapping the dog, that your, your pet dog, because it's already considered trapped, it's not going to run away. Hachoven Chayev, and one who bruises them is liable, um, just like one of these Eitrotzim, because again, we assume that bir- wild birds and animal, animals and birds have the thicker skin. If you cause it to brood, eventually the, to, to bleed, eventually the, the blood's going to come to the surface. Says the Mishnah, Ein Osin Hilima B'Shabbos. Now we discussed the laws of trapping, so there, once you trap an animal and you shakht it, the uh, skins have to be tanned and the way in which you tan is the first step is that you have to you pour a salty brine on them which helps treat the skin because we don't want people doing this on Shabbos you're not allowed to do this on Shabbos the Chazal came along and said one is never allowed to make brine on Shabbos that if that's true so then that by extension, they said one's never allowed to make a lot of salt water on Shabbos because it looks like they're going to go ahead and use it for brine, for br- this brine for um, for um, the tanning the hides. Now, why would you want to make a lot of salt water? So the answer is because brine also pickles. And one's not allowed to pickle on Shabbos because pickling an item is, is, is a very similar uh, action to, to tanning an item. So the rabbis forbade pickling an item because it looks like you are tanning an item, which is this the Raisa. And by extension, they say one's not even allowed to make the brine for pickling, because someone may think you're making it for the wrong reasons. So therefore, says our Mishnah, one may not prepare brine on Shabbos, a large quantity of salt water on Shabbos. Unless who has may melech, but you can maybe prepare salt water in small quantities, in order to dip your bread into, or add it to a cooked dish. As in, the Mishnah says, you're not allowed to make large quantities for pickling, but a small amount, which is merely for dipping, one is allowed to do. Where does this come up? So when Erev Shabbos falls out, uh, when Arab Pesach falls out on Shabbos, so, and you want to make your salt water to dip the karpas into, so there's a bit of a debate that the Shulchan Aruch says you can't pr- pr- produce a, and make a large quantity of this salt water because of this issue right here, which is why it's best to do it on Arab Shabbos. However, you can make a small amount. Says Rav Yossi, no. What's the difference whether it's a little or a lot? At the end of the day, you're making uh, brine. So even if you make a little brine just for uh, dipping your your bread into, it's the same recipe. It's brine, whether it's in a large vat or it's in a little tiny shot glass. It's brine, and therefore he, he forbade all of it. And the only way in which one can make salt water for dipping is the... The Elohim may melech matarim. This is how you make salt water for dipping your bread or whatever you want into. Nos and shem betchila tochamayim. Put a little oil into the water, which is going to cause the olus tochamayim, or the salt, which is going to cause the uh, salt from mixing properly with the water, and then and then it's going to be obvious that you're not doing it for preserving food, but rather just to have the flavor when you dip your bread into. I wish you all a wonderful day.